When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. While your local public television station holds its fundraising drives, WealthTrack is focusing on new topics for our podcast to help you improve your portfolios and finances. Check them out on WealthTrack.com. During Women's History Month, WealthTrack Women is featuring women who are making a difference in business and finance. Join us for career advice from three successful women entrepreneurs, including Swell's Sarah Kaus. Pension expert Teresa Gilarducci provides timely retirement solutions. Award-winning wealth advisor Karen Altfest explains her women-centric approach. Hello and welcome to Wealth Track. I'm Consuelo Mack. How real is the retirement crisis? This headline might give you a pretty good indication. 40% of older workers and their spouses will experience downward mobility in retirement. That is 8.5 million middle-class older workers and their spouses will fall into poverty or near poverty in their old age. Those findings come from this week's guest. She is economist and retirement expert Teresa Gilarducci, director of the Schwartz Center for Economic Policy Analysis at the New School, where she leads its Retirement Equity Lab, which researches the causes and consequences of the retirement crisis. Professor Gilarducci has also come up with some workable solutions to the crisis. She has written extensively on the issue, including several books. The most recent is Rescuing Retirement, a Plan to Guarantee Retirement Security for All Americans, which she co-authored with Tony James, the Executive Vice Chairman of Blackstone. And you can see my interview with Tony James on WealthTrack.com. Teresa, 40% of older workers and their spouses will experience downward mobility in retirement. What's going on? Um, well, 40% of middle-class workers who are about ready to approach retirement um, don't have enough money in their retirement accounts or don't have any retirement accounts. So when they reach retirement age, they will only depend upon Social Security. And Social Security isn't enough to maintain a middle-class worker's um, retirement um, standard of living, you know, the standard of living they reached when they were, um, when they were working. And what's happening is not so much the fault of the workers who are um, coming into retirement. Um, The problem is that this cohort, this generation of workers, have lived under um, an experiment in the United States, a kind of a do-it-yourself experiment, where governments um, have um, shrunk their pensions, um, especially Social Security, but also Medicare um, premiums went up. And companies have moved away from um, offering or expanding their retirement options. And so for the past 40 years, the boomer generation has really had to know the ropes and started saving from the moment they started working and kept that money in an account almost every year, you know, for 42 years for the system to have work for them, because that's unrealistic. We're now seeing the result of that 
that do-it-yourself pension experiment we've been conducting for the past 40 years. This experiment is really for those who are lucky enough to have an employer-sponsored plan, a 401k, uh, and of course IRAs are new, relatively new as well. But what about the rest of us, that those who uh, uh, you know that 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 aren't covered, is their predicament worse or better than it was, let's say, forty years ago? We were never in a, a golden age of of retirement, let's say, in the seventies and eighties, um, because um, not everybody was covered by a supplemental plan on top of Social Security. But the numbers were a lot larger um, than people thought. At any one point in time. There were about 60% of workers were covered by a defined benefit plan. But by the time a worker reached retirement, the, the um, chances that they had passed through an employer that had had a defined benefit plan or somewhere along the way they, they collected vesting benefits was far higher than half. It was about 70%. And also those defined benefit plans were valuable if you were vesting towards the end of your working life, and that's when people would stop shopping for jobs and stay with an employer, you know, for a period of time. So the data is quite remarkable because uh, I see retirees now who are living on a DB plan. Now, they're not rich on a DB plan, but they have spousal benefits, so a surviving spouse would have a steady income for the rest of their lives when sitting on top of Social Security. And the chances that someone with a modest DB plan would be poor in retirement is almost zero. They're kind of lower middle class workers with a DB plan. You remained a lower middle class um, retiree. Where we're seeing a lot of risk of poverty um, are older people who have some defined contribution plan or nothing at all. Because when you get older, that money runs out or when you're living alone and the money is um, has already run out and you actually have a little bit more expenses when you're living alone because two people can live a lot cheap, you know, cheaper um, per person um, than one person. So there, um, the defined benefit system was not perfect, but it was much, much better than the system we have now. Your thesis is that it's it's not our fault, that basically it's the do-it-yourself system. Is this experiment, as you've uh, described it, that really uh, is the the main problem. But when I look at the savings rates, for instance, and this has been something that, you know, for the last 40 years, as a matter of fact, that the savings rates uh, of the U.S. have overall declined, and you're an economist, so you tell me if that's accurate. But isn't it also the case that we've become, you know, much more consumer-oriented and that, in fact, that but we're not saving enough? Don't we share some of the responsibility for our retirement security? The idea that we can blame the victim, you know, this generation of workers without enough um, savings in their voluntary accounts is the first place I went to as well. Um, You know, we're ruining the environment with our consumerism in the third world. And was there something about credit cards and advertising and even social media that made us more present-minded or wanting more immediate uh, gratification. And the research just doesn't show that's true, that humans really haven't changed that much over the past 
you know, 70 years. We were, when we had a defined benefit system and longer term relationships with our employer, which actually provide a platform to safer retirement, um, humans were just as um, impulsive as they are now. So what has caused the big break is that we don't have the institutions that help people save. And that's, it, that explains the decline in the savings rate and the accumulation for retirement, um, not a change in personality. Also, you would think that um, people in France or Italy, um, places where the, you know, the, the, the joy of living is even better, um, have better institutions for, for retirement savings. So if we think that we're, that Americans are pretty much facing the same kind of cultural um, changes that other Europeans are, it's really the Americans that have really fallen off. And it's, so it's institutional. But the idea of blaming the victim and wanting to be able to control our own destiny, that's a that's an important human um, reaction is to say, hey, if I just saved more, if I do save more, I can save myself. The flip side of that is to blame yourself and to not be accurate in in blaming really the victim. It's our failed system that's flawed, not not flawed human beings. And even if we are flawed human beings, we should have systems that um, that help us do the right thing. And I can tell you what kind of system we need, but we have been moving away from a well-designed system for the past 40 years. Let's quickly address the system failures, and you've written extensively about two of the major ones, which is one is lack of coverage, the access to the employer-sponsored retirement plans, that there is a real lack of coverage. And the other one is, as you just referred to, the switch to the 401ks, the defined contribution versus the defined benefits, is flawed because it's you know it's voluntary, it's easy to withdraw, you get a lump sum at the end. Uh, there are all sorts of hazards there. So do you want to just quickly address the, the, the failures of these this do-it-yourself retirement system yeah, um, that was so well said. Um, first, only half of workers are covered by a 401k system. But even if everyone was covered by a 401k system and we implemented these laws that opted everybody into a 401k or even an individual retirement account, the system would still um, fall short because of the structure of the system. Um, and the system fails in three ways. A system has to be able to help people accumulate enough money for um, over their entire working life. And most people want to. There, nobody is clamoring to make Social Security, for instance, voluntary. People want to be personally responsible in, in part for their own retirement, and they're willing to save. We see that over and over in surveys. But we have to have a system that helps people accumulate. The second thing a good system has to do is help people invest um, every dollar they save for retirement for the long term well and efficiently. And the 401k IRA system is just terrible at helping people invest securely and efficiently. And third, people don't want to get rich on their retirement savings. They want to be secure. And so there's no way, as you pointed out, that a lump sum can, um, through an individual's effort, be transferred into an efficient annuity or lifelong monthly benefit on their own um, because of all the problems with uh, 
somebody having to go out into the insurance market and buying a single um, insurance plan. Health insurance that's not group health insurance is much more expensive. So is a um, an individual annuity. So the 401k IRA system is an individual account that a person has to decide to contribute to um, with or without the help of their employer. The person has to direct this, this, their investments um, that even professionals have a difficulty time doing. Um, they have to live their lives as American workers do. And um, when they are faced with losing their house or having to fund a, a transition from job to job, um, then having money available, taking it out of the retirement plan, isn't a matter of immediate gratification or some kind of flaw. It's, it's rational. It's just sitting there. And the third thing is, is that we have a system that's built for people at 65 having 100, 200,000, maybe even a million dollars in their account right at the time that they are quite vulnerable. Not only are they are they aging and at risk of cognitive decline, they are also at a period of time where they may be alone. So we're basically setting up our seniors um, to be prey to predators. In the United States, we have five times the amount of financial abuse of seniors than you see in other countries. And that's basically because our system, like, pins $1,000 bills to the, um, the shirt jackets, you know, lapels of our elders, send them on a bus and say, hey, you better get financially literate out there and manage your money. It just isn't a system that is reality-based, you know, that is based on the, um, on the realities of the workplace or the realities of what older people need. You mentioned the fact that it's not because somebody has an impulse to go out and spend madly that they raid their 401k accounts. Um, and you and your team at the New School published a paper analyzing retirement savings, and your conclusion basically was that if you looked at all income levels, that no one is safe, that basically stuff happens. So what are the kinds of events that, uh, again, in, enable us or kind of necessitate us going into our savings accounts before uh, we are even in retirement? Yeah, well, we're not, none of us are immune to stuff. There are three things that happen that really seem to, um, to drain accounts. Um, one is job loss or a, a loss in hours or, or even um, the, um, not being able to get an inflation increase. You know, wages have stagnated for the past 40 years, and it's really hard to save when you don't get a raise. Um, the third thing that happens is that people get a divorce, and a divorce, especially in middle age, um, can um, have your, your, your assets. Um, recessions happen. You know, recessions can wipe out your, your financial accounts at the same time it wipes out your ability to get a raise or, or to find a job if you lose it. And the other thing that happens, even though it's less um, prevalent, but I suspect it will increase more, is that people do have um, health and disability um, incidences, even if it's not permanent, that um, makes them have to withdraw from the labor force for their own um, disabilities, temporary or permanent, and also their spouses. So that we are a, a, a community of human beings that need to take care of other human beings, and we also are on the mercy of the economy and our employers, and frankly, on whether or not our skills 
um, continue to be in demand in the marketplace or whether or not they depreciate very, very fast. And these are all things that are really out of the um, the control of, of an individual. And those are the things that that are that make our retirement savings um, very vulnerable um, to leakage. But that vulnerability to leakage of your retirement account affects people whether they're poor, middle class, or even the very um, the very rich. It's just that people in the bottom 80% of the distribution, 80-90% of the distribution, just are are more likely to have more of those things, more um, job loss, more um, depreciation of their skills. Um, and just more vulnerable. There are several fixes that are commonly mentioned uh, out there, and and one is, and I've talked to guests on WealthTrack about them. You know, one is that to make participation in four hundred one ks mandatory, uh, to make a the contribution you know larger than one and a half percent of your income. Another one is to uh, insist that everyone work longer. What about those? those partial solutions, uh, why don't you think they will be effective? Let, let me talk about what we need to do as a, as a nation, just public policy. And let me talk about also what individuals can do while we wait around for the politicians to act. Um, the first thing we need to do is to get everybody savings at the very beginning of their, their work life. We, we went um, halfway by having everybody in Social Security um, for every single hour they work, whether it's gig work or independent contracting work, self-employment, or, you know, regular employment. So everybody's in, you know, from the first moment that they start working. We need to do that with a pension um, plan. Let's talk about solutions. I mentioned in my introduction to you that you and Tony James, the executive vice chairman of Blackstone, have written a terrific book, uh, called Rescuing Retirement, and in it you do have a solution, and you call the solution to the do-it-yourself retirement system that is broken, according to you and Tony James. Uh, it's called Guaranteed Retirement Accounts, GRA. What are they? Our um, national solution um, to this retirement crisis is a pensions-for-all plan where everybody would have an individual account called a guaranteed retirement account from the very first moment they start to work. You start paying into Social Security and you start paying into your guaranteed retirement account. Your employer also um, pays into the retirement account like your employer does for your Social Security. We propose that we start at a minimum of 1.5% for each of the employee and the employer. For a young person who starts at that level, they could you know, just ratchet that up gradually over time, and they would be able to maintain their living standards. For most of us, we would want to contribute a lot more than just the total 3%, 5%, even 6 7% would make us really comfortable in, in retirement. So we would get everybody in and everybody saving, employer and employee. We would also um, have these accounts professionally managed. So a worker wouldn't have to decide whether or not they should have equities, bonds, this kind of equity, that kind of bond. They'd be tempted to time the market. Um, we just have a track record to show that individuals don't do as well as um, professionals. We would also have a board that would make sure that the choices people had to invest in or the kinds of managers um, would be highly regulated. We don't have that kind of guarantee now. And at the end of their working life, they would be able to take that 
um, lump sum and convert it into a guaranteed annuity for life, um, just like Social Security is guaranteed. So they wouldn't have to worry about being old and suffering through um, a recession. So that's what a guaranteed retirement account um, is. And it's a bold plan. Um, I think uh, several politicians are interested in that plan. And also Republicans and Democrats are interested in that plan. The politicians are and so are voters because it folds in and adds in personal responsibility along with um, with help with a with a well-designed structure or, or platform. And I might add that among the benefits which you've – one is that it's self-funding because the worker and the employer are uh, contributing to it kind of from the get-go or whenever they start. And also it's paid through the Social Security system so you're not creating a new bureaucracy, right? That's exactly right. Your pension plan can never be underfunded. It's self-funding. There's no exposure um, for the government. And the Social Security system is so efficient. You know, it knows your number. It knows where you work. It already tracks, you know, your your employment. And so just adding that administrative um, addition, which is not that expensive, um, means that we bypass a lot of the administrative costs. So it's a it's a system that other countries have, and it's a system that a lot of um, workers have um, when they work for big uh, big firms. We're just extending um, that efficient system, you know, kind of a pyramid system: Social Security on the on the bottom, and a well-funded, well-managed pension plan, you know, in the middle um, for all workers. And I'll add the the it's well-funded, but the well-managed is my understanding is that the default manager would be your state pension plan, which actually have pretty good track records, certainly much better than the track records of the 401k investments. Right. You know, there are um, about 170 state and local pension plans, and by far most of them are very well managed, and and um, only a few aren't funded. Um, but the underfunding that you hear about in New Jersey and Illinois isn't the fault of the management. It's the fault of the governors and the legislatures not funding them enough. So most of the state and local pension plans are very well managed because they're big. We also are looking into adding uh, a default manager being the thrift savings plan, you know, that has a long-term investment sidecar add to it. The thrift savings plan is what federal workers um you know, save through. So a worker would be able to choose who their manager is, um, but the default, if they don't choose, would be their state um, pension plan. In the meantime, Teresa, we are living with a flawed system that is not working well for uh, many Americans. So what can we do as individuals if we're near retirement? What can we do to help bulk up our retirement savings and plan? If, if you're young, it's easy for me to give advice, you know, and I don't even bother here, but it's about letting compound interest, you know, work for you, save a little bit, 5%, don't look at it, don't, don't time it, you know, go to Vanguard, go to index funds. It's just a lot easier to talk to a young person. It's harder, I have to admit, and it's just very difficult to talk to an older person who might have just gotten a divorce or has a skill that they just know is not that marketable. Um, in the marketplace. So if they're 55, and I know, um, I'm pretty sure there's going to be a recession coming up in a year, my advice is to um, really 
downsize your living standards. Really do whatever you need to do, you know, Buddhism, you know, a mindfulness, you know, really reassess um, what your spending pattern is. Get a budget. Do all those hygienic things for your budget so that you don't sacrifice yourself or feel deprived or put upon mindfully with your own power and choice, bring down your, your spending. And that's where personal responsibility, but also psychology, even brain chemistry is really necessary here. I don't want to make people feel just crushed by, you know, personal austerity, but it is important to get your spending down. It's important to try to work as much as you can into your 60s. And I know that's very hard for some people and impossible for for others. Um, it's important to know that delaying your Social Security, your own work or benefit in Social Security, can have a huge payoff. So even if, let's say, you're 62 and you have $40,000 in your IRA or your 401k, um, I would suggest living on that with a little bit of work, maybe bringing in uh, a boarder, doing a little gig work, anything you can to delay even six months or a year. Um, If you have $100,000, delay your collection for three years. If you have $200,000, try to delay all the way up to 70. For everybody with a work for benefit, Waiting to collect means that you earn a guarantee of 6.75 to 8%, depending upon when that um, delayed retirement year is. So what you want to do is try to bridge the gap between your full-time work and your collection of Social Security. I mean, you can retire, but you don't have to collect Social Security. Your full benefit will come when you're 70. And that, for someone who doesn't have a college degree, it is very unusual to be able to find work in a Um, work that isn't just awful um, um, all the way up to 70. I also recommend that people don't um, rely on a reverse mortgage, you know, sometime in their future. They're they're a lot more risky than than people um, realize. Um, First of all, a lot of housing that older people are in isn't appropriate uh, for an older person. It might be when you're 55. It's totally inappropriate when you're 75. And reverse mortgages um, rely on people thinking that their that their house is going to go up in value, and a lot of houses don't go up in value. And we saw a lot of um, American housing stocks fall in value um, in the recession and stay down for a while. So it's better when you're healthy and you can and you can manage it is to downsize sort of earlier in your retirement um, life and not wait till you're 70 or 80. So those are my that's my suggestion. Let's discuss the outlook for a recession. And you told me that uh, you went to a conference of economists recently, and the majority of them are now predicting a recession in 2020. What do people in retirement, or actually, what do people planning for retirement do in the event of a recession? Well, for, first of all, when you're um, when you're in a recession, the uh, values of your, your stocks and your bonds are going to fall. So you're going to um, see a decline in, in the value of your portfolio. You really don't want to have to sell those assets when they're falling in value to pay for bills that you anticipated. So I would hope that people try to pay off their mortgage um, or get rid of their fixed expenses right before a recession. 
for a lot of people, it's their mortgage. Uh, for other people, it could be car loans or other kinds of debt. So get out of debt, no matter what kind of debt it is, as fast as you can while you're still while you still have your job and you still have some flexibility. So you don't want to get into a recession um, in, in debt. And you also want to be psychologically prepared that you don't panic. Um, if you don't have to take out your money when your accounts fall, um, then you aren't losing um, what you think you're losing on paper. You know, they're not realized losses yet. So if you can hang on, um, it's likely in a couple of years your assets will come back. Now, you won't have as much as you have planned, but you won't have that kind of drop um, that you had. So I would right now try to, everybody, um, try to reduce your debt and, and actually go to your basic spending as if we were in a recession now. You know, cut the cable now. Reduce, fall in love with your stuff. Like get all your stuff out of your closet and your house and just like, you know, pour a glass of wine and, you know, bring bring your stuff some flowers. But really get rid of the impulse to buy new stuff. That consumer discretion money can, can really hurt your budget. Learn how to cook. And then if you kind of prepare for the austerity that a recession might have, then you'll feel more in control. Um, lately, I've really been concerned about the data we're seeing about um, depression, kind of low-level depression uh, among um, the elderly. And a lot of that is because of shame and a feeling that people don't have as much control over their life, you know, the locus of control. And if people are savvy to know that, that they're at risk for that, they might be able to prevent that. Great advice, Teresa. Thank you so much for joining us. And I will tell our audience, this has been Teresa Gilarducci. She's the director of the Schwartz Center for Economic Policy Analysis at the New School and head of its Retirement Equity Lab. She is the author of many books, the most recent being Rescuing Retirement uh, with Tony James. And it is a terrific book with solutions for our retirement crisis. Uh, and I hope it gets traction in Washington. Thank you so much, Teresa, for joining us on WealthTrack. You're welcome. It was really great to talk to you. Thank you for joining us on this WealthTrack webcast with Teresa Gilarducci from the New School. And as we said, her book, Rescuing Retirement, is worth reading. And we will have links to her and to it on our website, WealthTrack.com. And as we say at the end of every WealthTrack program, make the week ahead a profitable and a productive one. Music.